It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It was in the wide open, man, and I said, You gotta be kidding me. Get ready. Get ready. There you go. Nice shot. Nice shot. West Virginia Outdoors is proudly presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails with over 600 miles of ATV trails located in the rich mountains of southern West Virginia. Today's broadcast originates from the Greer Lime Company Studios, West Virginia's source for high-quality quick lime, hydrated lime, and chemical-grade limestone. And now, here's West Virginia's voice of the outdoors. Chris Lawrence. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Hunting and Fishing Talk on the radio. We've got plenty to discuss today. We're going to have to get to it quickly. Coming up, Senator Mark Maynard will talk to us about the East Lynn Wildlife Management Area and plans for some off-road riding there and where that is going with that proposal out there from the Hatfield-McCoy Trails. Plus, we're also going to talk about uh, the upcoming dove and early Canada goose season and then uh, more news about hunting within the New River Gorge National Park and Preserve. All of it is still ahead, and we're going to get to it real quickly right after this. In West Virginia, wildlife is for everyone, and the West Virginia DNR works to keep it that way. Every year, West Virginia's Division of Natural Resources manages thousands of acres of public land and water, ensuring the future of our great natural resources in the Mountain State. Our state is a haven for all species of wildlife, game and non-game, and draws thousands each year to enjoy our rich outdoor heritage. When you buy a hunting or fishing license or take a stroll in our forest to view wildlife, you're enjoying what the DNR has made possible. The West Virginia DNR, working to ensure wildlife is for everyone. Friday nights in the fall are reserved for high school football. And the 20-year tradition continues on Metro News. It's Summit Community Bank High School Game Night with Fred Persinger and Dave Jekyll. Celebrating 20 years of bringing you up-to-the-minute scores, conference standings, player and coach interviews, and more. Tune in all season long to follow your favorite school. Friday nights from 9.30 to midnight. Summit Community Bank High School Game Night on the Metro News Radio Network. This is West Virginia Outdoors, presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trail System on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? I mean, they go back to college, learn new instruments, start skateboarding. Whoa! Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody, but saving for retirement is. With aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a three-minute chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach from AARP. You'll get personalized recommendations based on your input that are easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. 
Snarly move, Dad. Thanks, sweetie. So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much from the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special and boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. We are back on West Virginia Outdoors. Chris Lawrence with you. And we've got uh, the hunting seasons get started in earnest. The, the early bear season getting started in several counties of West Virginia today. The dub season will open up uh, along with early Canada goose season. We'll talk about that coming up in a few moments. But last week on the show, uh, we had uh, Jeff Lusk of the Hatfield-McCoy Trail on, and he was talking about this ongoing discussion about the property at East Lynn. Uh, that's owned by the Corps of Engineers. Right now, that's about a 23,000-acre wildlife management area. Part of the plan is to carve off 9,000 acres of that and turn it over to the Hatfield-McCoy Trail for off-road riding because you can't do off-road riding on a WMA. Well, one of those who is passionate about off-road riding is Senator Mark Maynard, who is from that part of the country, and he joins us on the show today. Mark, how are you, buddy? Hi, Chris. I'm doing great. Thanks. I, I know. I, I think I, I, I'm correct in saying that you are passionate about off-road riding. It's it's something that I think you probably do about four days a week, isn't it? Well, I would like to. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't do it that often. But I grew up uh, in a, an off-roading family. My dad was president of a local uh, incorporated four-wheel drive club. And so as a kid, I uh, was out there even, you know, in diapers, my dad says. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about what we're what we're look what we're discussing here because I, I've covered a lot of things in the thirty some years I've been doing news and and the outdoors coverage here. I don't think I've ever covered something that that everybody is upset about every solution, including the status quo. I don't think anybody's happy about this, and and it seems yeah. from what I've seen you post on social media that you've got several problems with it too. I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to kind of lay out what your concerns are about going the route of, of the Hatfield-McCoy Trail. Yeah, it's so many layers involved with this, you know, and, and it's a different situation than any other Hatfield-McCoy Trail system. And I want to say at the, from the very beginning, Hatfield-McCoy has done great things for southern West Virginia with their private trails, and they've helped the community. And, and this, um, my opposal of this is not based on Hatfield-McCoy. It's just the principles uh, of the matter. And uh, But Jeff 
Lusk and I, the director of Happy McCoy, have good rapport, and we've talked and worked together for years. Um, and I appreciate you making time for me today. Last week, unfortunately, I wasn't available to be on here. I was on an amazing overlanding expedition that lasted three days uh, around the Canaan Valley, Snowshoe, Blackwater Falls area, and it was called, the, the acronym is XPDN3, and Milestar Tires, Off-Road Parts, Torque Master, and Skyjacker came to West Virginia, and they shot an amazing video that will be available later that you can search for XPDN3 and see the ride we went on. We camped, uh, dispersed three nights, and just an amazing thing. But back to the um, uh, East Lynn problem. So I want to set the record straight. I don't think I've ever said I want the status quo to remain just the way it is and nobody touch it. Uh, and I also speak for my constituents. Um, they are okay with management of the area. One of their uh, main issues is an outside uh, for-profit company making money off this taxpayer land because I think, as you mentioned, it was taken from the people of Wayne County through eminent domain. And it's my understanding that if the property was ever transferred, that it would have to be required to be offered back to the original property owner or heirs for the original price that the Corps of Engineers purchased it for. So mm. that's another, you know, I'm watching out for my government because that would, you know, be a whole uh, nest, orange nest of problems. Well, you, uh, mentioned, you mentioned the status quo, and the status quo, from what I'm told, is people are riding there every every weekend. And uh, and, and they are riding, and, and let's, let's just put it out there, they're riding illegally. You're not allowed to ride on uh, on a wildlife management area with any kind of motorized vehicle, except on the the roads that are designated as roads for for uh, for you know for vehicle travel that are licensed vehicles, uh, but this is going on, and th- those who are in charge are worried something's going to happen. There's going to be a liability issue. They want to address it. It's difficult to police because of the vast area and the and the lack of really manpower to do it. And at the same time, the people that are doing this don't want to be disrupted because you've got a petition there, and then last I checked, over 12,000 people have signed it to leave it as it is. Yeah, and, you know, I actually haven't read the disclaimer. I thought that the list that people were signing was to keep Hatfield-McCoy trail system out. Which, well, that might be I mean, it. That, that that may be it, too, yeah. Yeah, and from everyone that, I, that I've talked to, I haven't heard anyone, no matter what their writing style has said, I don't want anybody in there messing with it. You know, everybody says they're okay with paying a fee and they're okay with someone like the state managing it so they can, um, so the state can actually receive some of the benefit from this. Well, isn't the Hatfield-McCoy Trail the state? It's a quasi-state agency, isn't it? You know, I would love for you to clear that up for me because they receive state money uh, and they are in our state code. But from everything I can read, they are for-profit profit corporation that is not directly tied to state now and you know i'm i'm not saying that is the exact way it is but from everything i gather that's how i read it I, as far as i know they are not a state agency and the only reason they're quasi probably is because they're receiving state money well mine's greater than mine figure out <laughs> that kind of stuff you guys in the legislature have to parts that out but but 
a couple of things that you have brought up. One is the access to cemeteries back there, old family cemeteries. I asked Lusk about this last week because I knew that was a concern of yours, and he said if this were to be taken over, that that's something that can be addressed on a case-by-case basis, and they're certainly not going to restrict access to somebody to go visit a family cemetery or, or bury family back there. Uh, wherever it might be. And from what I understand, there are still some roads back there that are state DOH maintained, which would be legal to drive on, if I'm not mistaken, right? Currently, yes. But in the Hatfield-McCoy trail proposal, they are wanting to, their words was decommissioned, but I've heard the professional term using abandon. So I'm going to use them both interchangeably here. Mm -hmm. And the roads, they, they want to decommission or uh, block 146 miles of both public road and probably trails that aren't on the DOH map. Now, And that's something uh, that you are opposed to, correct? You know, as a general rule of speaking, I am, especially when it comes to cemetery access. Now, so I plan on be bur- being buried at Jarrett Maynard Cemetery. It's where my grandparents are buried, mm-hmm. my aunt, my uncle, and have an annual meeting there. And so there's a connector road of about two miles that leads from the main dirt road to the cemetery. Well, in the proposal, they are making that uh, to be decommissioned to where you have no access. Now, me and my family mow that, and we haul our riding lawnmowers out there, so it would make it kind of hard to not be allowed to have a motorized vehicle on that road, as well as Sally Smith Cemetery, where my great-great-grandmother is buried. There is no... Uh, that the road leading to it has been proposed to be decommissioned. Agin Cemetery, where my family's buried, um, they don't have it even marked on the count on the map, but I know where it's at. That road decommissioned. Muck Maynard, where I have relatives, it's to be decommissioned. I mean, it's just, and and I just can't, you know. So sure, on a case by case basis, you can go through a big rigmarole, but you know, right now we have access to those cemeteries, and. I can just see uh, years of, you know, sitting down and trying to figure out ways to, to each fight in each individual cemetery. You know, I just can't let that happen. Yeah. Senator Mark Maynard, our guest this morning on West Virginia Outdoors. Hang on, Mark. i got to take a break, but i got a couple of more questions for you before I cut you loose. Uh, we'll be back in a moment right after this. Jim Christie, Senior Project Manager with Civil and Environmental Consultants, talks about working for CEC. Each and every employee is employee owner. We all work together every day. We all watch each other, help each other, and make sure that we're all successful on each and every project. It's a lot to do with the culture that we have, bringing a lot of local people together to work in West Virginia and create projects that we're all proud of. Find out what CEC can do for you. Visit them online at wearecec.com. It's summer and time to get your motor running and find your adventure in Hatfield-McCoy country with hundreds of miles of challenging trails and ATV-friendly towns along the way. There's a lot to explore on the Hatfield-McCoy trail system. West Virginia residents can ride all year with the purchase of an annual resident permit for only $26.50. Get your permit online or see a Hatfield-McCoy trails retailer and find your adventure on the best trails in the USA. Hatfield-McCoy trails, your ticket to ATV paradise. This is West Virginia Outdoors, presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trail System on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. 
Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. Hey, sis. Missed you this morning. Kim told me you weren't feeling well, so I'm just doing a self-care check. Ah, oh, thank you, friend. How you doing? Girl, listen, my energy was so low because I didn't eat breakfast when I got up, so I had to miss virtual yoga with y'all. Mm, trust me, I understand. But I'm doing much better now that I've eaten, so I'm back on track. Great. In that case, let's get some steps in tonight. I'll come over and we can walk around the lake. Sounds good. Appreciate you being in my business, too. Now, let me get in yours. Did you check your blood pressure today? I did that and my squats, okay? Okay. High blood pressure is not going to be my friend if I can help it. See you at 6? Let's get it. See you then. Now more than ever, it's important that we protect our hearts and the hearts of those we love. Check in on one another and be a part of a healthy blood pressure movement. Rally your squad to take the online pledge at releasethepressure.org. Brought to you by the Release the Pressure Coalition and the Ad Council. We are back on West Virginia Outdoors. Senator Mark Maynard, my guest this morning. We're talking about the East Lynn property, which is currently the East Lynn Wildlife Management Area, but is being proposed. At least uh, about a third of that WMA would be transferred to the Hatfield-McCoy Trails under a proposal that's now before the uh, Army Corps of Engineers and is out for public comment, I might add. Uh, Senator Maynard is one of those who has some issues with it being transferred to the Hatfield-McCoy Trail because it would potentially limit the access that currently exists, even though, in some cases, that access uh, that is currently being used is against the law, which is kind of the uh, the issue. And, and one of the reasons is because you you can't have a WMA where federal Pittman-Robertson funds are being spent. That money cannot be used to provide off-road access. That The feds would absolutely throw a fit about that, and that just... That's why you would have to transfer this to somebody else and away from the WMA, which is another issue. But nevertheless, that's not what I had you on to talk about, Mark. I know that's something for another day. You, One thing that you really enjoy is the full-size off-road riding, trucks, Jeeps, uh, things like that. And this particular property, the I talked to Lusk last week on the show, and there is no provision to allow for that kind of riding on East Lynn once, if this proposal were adopted. And, you know, I just found that out last week on your show as well. And that I was really disappointed because I think that's a big segment that, you know, we'd be missing out on, which is near and dear to my heart. So I really hate to hear that. Um, another thing about cemetery access at the public meeting, I heard that if a proposed Hatfield McCoy route would go by these cemeteries, then and that was the only access, then you'd be required to have a permit to visit the cemetery. And that concerns me, too, for, you know, the elderly that mm-hmm. are just there to visit the cemetery. But, um, how did, but, how uh, did this happen? Because the Corps of Engineers has got property all over the state, 
and there there aren't issues with writing there. I mean, it's it's all kind of it's kind of locked up. How how did this one slip through? Because I don't know of the core having any other place where off road grinding happens on their property. You know, this whole twenty three thousand acres, uh, which is twenty five, I think, including where the lake is, uh, was just large communities, grocery stores, lots of houses all over this property. Uh-huh. You know, and through those hills, there were cemeteries, and so. You know, some of the families fought to keep their family cemeteries, and the government fortunately allowed them to keep in their original place. And, uh, you know, they couldn't deny access. Uh, my family cemetery, Jarrett Maynard, on all four sides is government property. And, th- and there you go. You, they, they, can't, uh, they can't restrict access, but I don't think there's anything that compels them to maintain an access either, is there? Well... As far as I know, there was an agreement by the Corps of Engineers Mm -hmm. that a lifetime promise made to the individuals to, you know, so they wouldn't have a terrible fight on their hand, giving up all their family farms to promise uh, continual maintenance on the access roads and access to the cemeteries. I got you. So so somewhere that is in writing then? As far as I know, I've heard it for all my life that there is Mm -hmm. an agreement somewhere. Well, I'm sure there'll be an army of lawyers to take a look at that. <laughs> there, yeah. there always seems to be an army full of lawyers in, in, in everything. So uh, I, I'm running out of time here, but I wanted to give you an opportunity. Is there anything else that you want to say that you've got the you've got the podium now to clarify your position on this? Well, you know, I'm like you say, I'm passionate about uh, my hobby, and I prefer to call it. I've come up with a new term, actually. Jerry Bain, a friend of mine, and uh, Jason Speck, the two of them came up with this and combined it kind of. It's vehicle-based adventure trap. And uh, Jason Speck with uh, Mountain State Overland told me when an individual that's not familiar with this hobby hears off-highway vehicle or off-road vehicle, they think of somebody going literally off the side of the road down where there's no route. So I like, uh, and Jerry Bain added the vehicle base to it, so that's, that's what I like to call it. But um, also groups of the West Virginia Off-Highway Vehicle Coalition are always uh, fighting for public land access, and I had to give my hat off to them. Um, but, you know, I just try to be a voice for my constituents, and it's, like I say, nothing against uh, the Hatfield-McCoy Trail System because they've done a wonderful job. But I would like to announce my, instead of the status quo, an alternative proposal uh, that I would like to talk to members of state government and federal government. And I would like to see something similar that Tennessee is doing with their WMA. And that is to um, uh, have a wildlife viewing uh, license between Memorial Day and Labor Day when there is no hunting. And then for the hunters that want to access off the main road, uh, during hunting season, these same roads that they're currently accessing now require them to have a hunting license, and that may help our uh, give a little boost to our decrease in hunting license. Now, you're going to have riders in these vehicles, and, and maybe all of them don't have to have a hunt, shouldn't have to have a hunting license, but anybody that is possessing a firearm during mm-hmm. you know hunting season should have to have a license, so the passengers, you know, not. So, I'm I'm announcing that here for the first time, and that is kind of from 
conversations I've had with my constituents that would be okay with paying $25 for a Memorial Day to Labor Day wildlife viewing uh, license. And the reason I call it wildlife viewing is that way we all like to look at wildlife, whether you hunt or not, you know, and that way um, it wouldn't affect our Pittman-Robertson funding. Yeah, and I I get what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying there. I'm not – it's going to be a tough sell to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service on that. But, I mean, you know, we're – there, there are ideas. So you know, you can always give yeah. it, give it a try, and we'll, and we'll see. I, I'm out of time though, but I, I did want to give you an opportunity to come on here and clarify because I know there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of discussion, and and it's hard sometimes to pin down exactly where everybody stands. So I'm glad you you came on here and, and at least cleared the air and let us know where you stand. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Chris, for giving me an opportunity. I'm uh, here to just try to do the right thing, and I really appreciate this uh, this time on your show. All right, Senator Mark Maynard. we got to take a break. We'll be back in a moment right after this. Did you know Greer Lime Company's products are used in a variety of environmental applications that impact your everyday life? For example, Greer's Quick Lime and Hydrated Lime products are fundamental to the key processes in drinking water and wastewater treatment. And their high-calcium limestone, Quick Lime, and Hydrated Lime products are used in the removal of acidic pollutants from power plant flue gases. Greer's products are also used in coal mines to treat acid mine drainage and as an alkaline amendment. Learn more online at greerlime.com. In West Virginia, wildlife is for everyone, and the West Virginia DNR works to keep it that way. Every year, West Virginia's Division of Natural Resources manages thousands of acres of public land and water, ensuring the future of our great natural resources in the Mountain State. Our state is a haven for all species of wildlife, game and non-game, and draws thousands each year to enjoy our rich outdoor heritage. When you buy a hunting or fishing license or take a stroll in our forest to view wildlife, you're enjoying what the DNR has made possible. The West Virginia DNR, working to ensure wildlife is for everyone. This is West Virginia Outdoors, presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trail System on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Meet Bob Minetti. My wife and I just celebrated 45 memorable years together. She and my daughter Katie are my anchors. Bob and Wendy spent time fundraising for health care causes. I guess I liked it so much, I decided to become a patient. In 2016, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. I assumed that there was no hope for people with my diagnosis. Bob participated in a clinical trial that included cutting-edge radiation therapy and surgery. He's been in remission since completion. I'm so glad that I learned about what was possible for me. I'm Keisha Sharp. Since losing my mother to pancreatic cancer, I've been working to ensure that everyone facing this diagnosis knows about the immense progress being made. Stand Up to Cancer and Lust Garden Foundation are working together to make every person diagnosed into a long-term survivor, like Bob. Visit pancreaticcancercollective.org. When it feels like the world has stopped, good finds a way. Good is happening even now. Good connects us, even when we can't get close. Good never stops, and neither does Children International. With support from caring friends, we help provide children and families with the critical essentials they need. Essentials like food assistance, hygiene education, medical help, 
and financial support. To learn more, go to children.org slash help today. Together, we can help end poverty for good. Welcome back to West Virginia Outdoors. Chris Lawrence with you on a Saturday morning. Glad to have you along wherever you might be. We're coming up on the opening of several hunting seasons in West Virginia with September bearing down on us. And uh, a couple of those are the early waterfowl seasons as well as the morning dove season that gets started on the 1st of September. Mike Peters is the game bird, is the, uh, game bird biologist for the West Virginia DNR and joins us on the show this morning. Mike, how are you? Good, and how are you doing, Chris? I am doing very well. Uh, let's start with uh, the morning doves because I think uh, the funny thing about doves is I think a lot of people get real interested in hunting them for the first day, and then the interest like drops off the face of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that that opening day september 1st is is the hot day that's when that's what attracts most of the interest but uh you know west virginia has a fairly long dove season so uh, uh i would encourage everybody to get out there and enjoy the entire season not just the first couple of days yeah i'm 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 with you on that the the one thing though that uh unlike other hunting where we're trying every way in the world to get away from other people uh, when you're dove hunting, having people in closer proximity, uh, uh, relatively close proximity, up and down a field, will keep them moving. If you don't have that, they're tough to hunt on your own. Well, it, it definitely makes it a little more challenging. Now, I'd, I personally like taking the dog and, and, and walking fields and trying to kick up birds. But, uh, boy, it, it's, a, it's a lot nicer when there's, when there's folks out there moving, moving the birds around. Where typically is the best place to look for a, a, a setup to go dove hunting? I'm, I'm thinking an agricultural field or a, a field with some seed-bearing grasses or something along those lines, right? Yeah, so, you know, I typically look for areas that have uh, good good perching trees or places for, them to, for the birds to perch in. Uh, electric lines are good, but don't shoot the birds on the electric lines, okay? But uh, places for the birds to perch, I like to to have some bare ground i like a little bit of water and of course a good seed source is all very helpful i know that there are a couple of wildlife management areas maybe one in every district where you all sort of uh manage fields for this this particular type of hunting don't you yeah so we put in what we call dove fields and it's it's a it's a small grain field uh sunflower wheat uh, millet uh, something along those lines and and the managers work to to have that planet in time that the seeds are ripe uh, right at, right when the season comes in. So uh, there's multiple uh, dove fields throughout the districts, uh, throughout the state. So I would just call your local district office and, and find out which, which wildlife management areas have dove fields on them. Now, you mentioned the fact that you, you manage those and call them dove fields, but what you just described there, that is – uh, that is forage for quite a, for, for a wide array of wildlife there, not necessarily just the dove. I mean, a lot of things can benefit from that. Oh, sure, but that's how most of our management practices are. You know, we, we plant clover and hope to, to, to encourage deer, but turkeys will use it too. So, uh, yeah, it's, most of our management is multi-species management practices. I remember one time years ago I went hunting over in the eastern panhandle and a farmer in Jefferson County had actually cut some of his corn and as he had cut it, he had for us 
left uh, stocks in what would be probably about the size of a phone booth where you could you could get in there and, and hide in the middle of this big cut cornfield, and it made the perfect place to, to, to set up. Now, I don't know if you'll find a farmer that gracious. I don't even know why this guy was that gracious to us, but uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a grass field. Corn will attract them as well. That's correct. Any, any grain field out uh- the downside with West Virginia is that, you know, I don't come across too many, well, at least in my neck of the woods, too many farmers planting corn and harvesting it in time for the dove season. So that makes it a little tougher. But uh, but I'm, I'm sure there's places where that that's definitely an option. Yeah, well, it, it, it was later in the year that we went. But nevertheless, okay. you're right. You're right. It's uh, it, it's not corn harvesting season just yet for that uh, that field corn that farmers typically raise for, for cattle feed and so forth. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the dove numbers? I'm I'm sure that they uh, they ebb and flow, but I I would have to believe that overall they're pretty strong. Just about every time you walk outside, you see one. Yeah, well, believe it or not, they they are showing a, a long term population decline, but uh, nothing to be too concerned about yet. Uh, but uh, overall, I would say we have strong strong populations and, and good opportunity to to go out and harvest quite a few doves. A lot of people may not realize these are migratory birds and are the ones that we're going to be hunting next week, are those resident or are they already moving south? No, I would classify those as resident birds, yes. So these local birds, birds that were here all, all summer and reproducing. So you'll you'll notice if you uh, start harvesting birds that there'll probably be quite a few young birds in, in your bag and and just another indication that they're, they're local birds. Any but, s- go ahead. But I'm glad you brought up the, the fact that they're migratory, because uh, uh, just to remind everybody, you do need to have a HIP card uh, to hunt these things. Yeah, it's a federal harvest information card that is required. And do, are there any, I don't know if you all have any, but do any other states have uh, movement studies going on that some of these birds might be banded? Well, so, yeah. So uh, every year, uh, states, including West Virginia, uh, put leg bands on birds, and the sole purpose of that is to determine population size. So it's an annual thing that uh, a lot of states uh, participate in. When do these birds start moving uh, for their migration, and how far do they typically go? Oh, that's both very good questions. Some birds don't move at all, and and some birds, uh, West Virginia birds, have, have showed up as far south as Georgia, and I believe as far west as Indiana. Gotcha. So, uh, to kind of kind of bring it all uh, to, to close out the discussion about morning doves here, uh, you you not only need your hip card, but since it is a federally uh, regulated bird, you're going to need uh, a plug in your shotgun. And uh, natural resources police are pretty keen on looking for that, so you want to keep that in mind too. But the non toxic shot is not a requirement since this is not waterfowl. That's correct. Yep, non-toxic shot only applies to those species hunted over water, such as ducks, ducks, geese, and swans. Well, and speaking of ducks, geese, and swans, we are about to, as that's a great transition into the, the conversation about those, because you all have some early waterfowl season in West Virginia. Kind of give us an, an overview of what that's all about. Okay, so we have a, a, what we call our early Canada goose season coming in, and that also comes in September September 1st. It's uh, a great opener to the dove season. So uh, you can go out and hunt geese in the morning and hunt doves in the afternoon. Uh, The the sole purpose of this season was to help control our resident populations. 
I know you guys recently had the the roundup of these rascals when they were uh, molting and couldn't fly. Uh, have you been able to get a handle on how many of these we have in West Virginia? Yeah, so that's uh, that's the sole purpose. Well, sole purpose of what we've been doing lately. Uh, we've actually been banding geese uh, statewide for the last two years. Uh, actually, three years. I forgot. We're, we're almost done. Three years into the, the program and. And the reason we were doing it statewide was to get an estimate of the population. So right now, our, our estimates are, uh, are at 47,000 birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so quite a, quite a good resident population there. Have you been- uh, we also uh, ban birds annually to, to help the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service uh, and, and support the, their regulations. I know we have a lot of resident geese here in West Virginia. Have you been able to ascertain from these three years of banding have any of these birds been taken in other states? Are they moving at all out of West Virginia? Well, some do. Uh, and, again, they don't go very far. It's mostly neighboring states, Kentucky, Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, some over into Virginia. Uh, once in a while, a bird will uh, show up in Ontario or Quebec. Uh, but uh, pretty, pretty much they're local birds. That are, they're hatched here and they're, they're harvested here. Are, do they imprint on where they are hatched? Is that why they stick around here, or do they just have everything they need here and don't feel the need to move? Well, so so there's two questions there. The first one is they do imprint on where they're hatched at. So if a bird is hatched at Pleasant Creek, uh, it'll have a, an affinity to hang out at Pleasant Creek Wildlife Management Area. But they're largely non-migratory birds. Um, uh, that means... Uh, They'll hardly move unless we have a, a hard winter where they, we have an experience or experience a, a real freeze up and they have to move to get to open water and, 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 and food. Uh, they're largely non-marketory because they're a larger bird and they can tolerate the, uh, the cold climates here in the temperate region of West Virginia. So, Yeah, I, I remember somebody telling me on this show one time before I'd asked this question, and uh, when they talk about you know, geese flying south, they're talking about they go, like, to Raleigh, North Carolina. They, it's not like they're going to South America here. Yeah, right, right. So, yeah, so they, most, of, most of the birds that, most of the migratory birds that pass through West Virginia are heading for coastal, coastal areas, North, South Carolina, uh, the Delaware, and, and Chesapeake Bays. Uh, so, it, yeah, it's not, it's not like the hummingbird. They're not going to Central and South America. Yeah. We, um... We, we in West Virginia really don't have much of an opportunity to catch those migrating birds unless they get blown off course by a storm because we're, we're sort of on the western edge of the Atlantic Flyway and the, uh, the eastern edge of the Mississippi Flyway. We're, we're kind of the, we're the middle of the road and, and, and we're the mountaintop and there's two roads going down each side. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put it. Uh, West Virginia is pretty pretty deprived of wetlands and, and, and areas that attract, attract ducks and geese. So when it comes to migration, a lot of birds just, just keep on going or find a different way around us. So uh, unfortunately for us. Well, and, and, and consequently, we don't have near the waterfowl hunting in West Virginia that you would say in, uh, out on the Delmarva Peninsula in Maryland or down in Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, those places where uh, down in the Delta where all these birds wind up. And now I do know, and there's some that listen to this show that are that are diehard waterfowl hunters. But you got to be pretty good if you're gonna, and you got to be pretty patient if you're gonna do that in West Virginia. Well, so so 
so what I tell folks, because I'm one of those diehard waterfowl hunters, is, you know, West Virginia, we don't get a lot of ducks, but at the same time, we don't have a lot of duck hunters. We, like you said, we don't have that tradition here. So uh, we can get into to some pretty prime locations and, and have a lot of good opportunities to harvest ducks where if we were hunting a different state, uh, it would be very competitive with hunters to find an area. So we're, we're fortunate that way. So, and, and a lot of these birds raised here, I guess, they haven't been shot at that much, so they're really not nearly as wary as ones might be by the time they get down there into the, into the southern part of the nation. That's correct. Yep, yep. Our birds are pretty naive, so <laughs> I wouldn't say it's easier, but uh, it's kind of easier. <laughs> <laughs> Where, uh, is there an early duck season as well, and when does that come in, if there is? Well, so we don't have an early duck season per se. We have a duck season that's split into three segments, and our, our first segment opens October 1st and runs through the 14th. Okay. And, and that season's really designed to, to take advantage of our local birds, uh, the wood ducks and the mallards that were, were hatched here. Uh, the, the middle and late seasons are really designed to catch uh, early migrants and, of course, uh, the, the late season, the late migrants. When, so. do the, when, when is the bulk of the migration, or if you're going to catch anything flying through here going south, when does that happen? Well, that's a, that's a tough question because these birds will migrate at different times. But in general, I'd say our divers, uh, canvasbacks, redheads, scalp, they'll show up later part of the year, uh, late season. And then, like, the middle of the season, you'll be your gadwalls, uh, teal will be around yet, black ducks, uh, widgeon, those types of birds. And one of the things you've got to be cognizant of is you've got to, your bird identity on the fly has to be good because there are rules about which ones you can kill and how many of each one. That's correct, and that's what's one of the things that makes waterfowl hunting so difficult. Uh, that ability to identify ducks on the wing is, is, a, is really a, a necessity, especially when, you, like you said, you have these special restrictions of like two mallards, uh, two canvasbacks, one, one pintail. You really need to be on your game with that. Yeah, And again, that they are federal uh, migratory bird regulations in place, which means you've got to have that hip card for them, and you've got to have the, uh, you, to have the plug in your shotgun. And if you're hunting around water for waterfowl, you've got to have the uh, non-toxic shot, shot as well in your shotgun. Well, you need to have non-toxic shot regardless of where you're hunting waterfowl. Mm-hmm. And, and don't forget that federal duck stamp. That's right, yes. Does West Virginia have a duck stamp? No, uh, years ago we did, uh, but the, the program was discontinued. It lasted, I think, six or seven years mm-hmm. in the early 80s, and it just uh, lacked interest. Gotcha. But, uh, there's a few uh, West Virginia duck stamps still out there. You can find them. Yeah. All right, Mike Peters of the West Virginia DNR, the uh, game bird biologist for the uh, for the agency, and you can find out more at the DNR's website. Mike, I appreciate you joining us today, and uh, have yourself a good weekend. Hey, thanks, Chris. You too. It's summer and time to get your motor running and find your adventure in Hatfield-McCoy country with hundreds of miles of challenging trails and ATV-friendly towns along the way. There's a lot to explore on the Hatfield-McCoy trail system. West Virginia residents can ride all year with the purchase of an annual resident permit for only $26.50. Get your permit online or see a Hatfield-McCoy trails retailer and find your adventure on the best trails in the USA. Hatfield-McCoy trails, your ticket to ATV paradise. 
Jim Christie, Senior Project Manager with Civil and Environmental Consultants, talks about working for CEC. Each and every employee is employee owner. We all work together every day. We all watch each other, help each other, and make sure that we're all successful on each and every project. It's a lot to do with the culture that we have, bringing a lot of local people together to work in West Virginia and create projects that we're all proud of. Find out what CEC can do for you. Visit them online at wearecec.com. This is West Virginia Outdoors, presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trail System on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. COVID-19 can hit and hurt everywhere and everyone, but children living in the world's poorest places face the greatest risks of all. For more than 80 years, Child Fund has been working across Africa, Asia, and the Americas, helping millions of vulnerable children. And now we're working even harder to see that families have what they need to keep their kids from going hungry and to meet other needs. Also, children can grow up healthy, educated, and safe. As we socially distance, COVID-19 pushes us apart. But as we help children around the world, we pull together. In the biggest emergency response in our 80-year history, Child Fund is working to make sure that children not only survive this pandemic, but thrive beyond it. Learn more at childfund.org. This is Ricky Rubio, point guard for the Phoenix Suns. And I'm Holly robinson P, actor and along with Ricky, ambassador for Delivering Jobs. We know that a job is empowering and instills confidence. Yet 81% of adults with developmental differences don't have a paid job, even though companies that employ people with differences report better morale and higher productivity. There are 6.5 million people in the U.S. with an intellectual or developmental difference such as autism. And now, thanks to Autism Speaks, Best Buddies, the Holly Rod Foundation, and Special Olympics, there has never been more opportunity to improve hiring practices and build a more inclusive workforce. Join me, Ricky Rubio, and these amazing organizations in supporting and creating pathways to one million employment and leadership opportunities for this talented community. Visit deliveringjobs.org to learn more. That's deliveringjobs.org. We are back on West Virginia Outdoors. Glad to have you along. Certainly one of the topics that we have talked about at length on this show has been the changeover for the New River Gorge, which for many years was a national river area, but now is the New River Gorge National Park and Preserve. Specifically to the audience that listens to this show, we have talked about how that impacts hunting in the New River Gorge because I know a lot of you do have enjoyed hunting there for many years and it's something that was promised when the uh, the land was turned over to the Park Service back in the 1970s that was part of the enabling legislation with the park though came some changes that uh, in in some cases did not sit well with some hunters but it's uh, it's it's part of the transition but uh, at least for one more year wherever you hunted within the New River Gorge you're going to be able to hunt uh, this year, because the changes the Park Service has announced will not change, will not will not go into effect until January 1st, which means this hunting season, things will be unchanged. Eve West is the spokesperson with the New River Gorge National Park and Preserve and joins us on West Virginia Outdoors. Eve, good morning. Good morning, sir. 
Tell me a little bit about, uh, I know that a lot of people had been talking about this. A lot of hunters had been concerned about losing public land and public access to hunt in the New River Gorge. But uh, at least this this coming hunting season, the, none of that will be in effect. Everything will be unchanged from what it's always been. Um, that is correct. We decided to phase this in over this year and not implement the changes until January 1st, uh, 2022. Um, and that was done for, you know, for more than one reason, obviously. I mean, you know, the designation change occurred in the middle of our small game hunting season. Um, so that would have made that, you know, a difficult uh, transition. Um, you know, the immediate change would not have provided for any sort of educational period or progressive enforcement and, you know, may have resulted actually in some in a financial loss to some user groups. So, um, and then uh, another reason was that the West Virginia Division of Natural Resources had already issued their annual um, regulations, which you know, delineated the hunting areas in, in the Park Service units in southern West Virginia, which included the lower gorge. So for, for those reasons, we decided to, you know, the, the fall hunting season will give us an opportunity to educate the, the, the public as to what the new regulations are going to be. Without getting into uh, the, the emotion of this, what, what parts of the park will you be able, that are, are you allowed to hunt now that you will not be able to hunt next year? If I can make that as simple as possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and it, I, so really, it might be easier for me to go through the areas that are going to be off limits to hunting um, next year. But really, the only area that's going to be off limits to hunting that wasn't, um, you know, allowed before. Although there, you know, this is going to change with you know, some, you know, some boundary changes too. Is um, you know, the, the area around sandstone has always been off-limits to hunting because it's a heavy visitor use area. Mm-hmm. Um, the area around Grandview has always been off-limits to hunting. In fact, we've um, actually added some acreage in where hunters can hunt now that they could not hunt before. So that's, you know, that's a, a, you know, a positive change for the, you know, the hunting, the use, that user group. Um, and then Thurmond is an area, too, that is one of our new national park areas, so that will be off-limits to hunting. And then the, the land ownership there is fairly complex. There's private land, public land, so some of it was off-limits, some of it hunting was allowed. So, But that's an area that will now be off-limits. And then the largest area that will be off-limits starting January 1st, 2022, is the Lower Gorge. Um, and that was an area that was open, you know, at one time that has been open to hunters, um, and that's about 6,200 acres. Um, now, there was a section that hunters used um, more heavily that we actually took, or that, that area, I say we, the, the, when the legislation was passed, they took that section and retained it for hunting. So it's part of the National Preserve. So What, pa- what um, part are you speaking of? The Lower Gorge? It's, uh, there's a section of the Lower Gorge that okay. was actually retained as part of the National Preserve because it's an area that, that, that was traditionally hunted, whereas, you know, a lot of the Lower Gorge was not tradition, you know, was not as much, but, but this was a section of it that was. So this was a section that was retained in the National Preserve. Um, and you can get on our park website, and all of these, uh, the existing regulations are on there, and then we've also included the new maps that will, you know, come into effect on January 1st, 2022, uh, for the for the, the new regulations, so all that will be avail- is available right now on our website. Certainly, this has been discussed at length and pretty much is set in stone. But I think the news that that we have here is that it, none of it takes effect until after the first of the year. So this fall's hunting seasons, everything is status quo as it has been for the past forty years. That is correct. Yes. All right. Anything else that you want hunters to know? Is there anything else that they need to understand about uh, this changeover? 
and 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 what should they be on the lookout for in, in the weeks and months to come? Well, in the, you know, the coming weeks for this fall hunting season, really nothing, like I say, going to change. But um, And we'll come out with some additional guidance uh, later on this fall as well. Um, but right now, again, they can anybody can get on the website and go to the hunting page and see where those maps, we've got the new maps up on the hunting page right now. And if there's any questions, they can contact the park. You know, we're here. Mm-hmm. We're here to answer questions and provide education and, and um, you know, and that's, that's what we do. One one quick question: the the river itself that flows through here, obviously, that's what is is the attraction of the park. Uh, is is there is the, any of the river within the preserve and not the park? I mean, can we still waterfowl hunt down there in certain places, or is that no longer um, allowed, or will well, it no longer be allowed? Yeah, the the section of rivers that that flow through, like the lower gorge, you know, that's going to be part of the national park section. But, you know, the areas, you know, where the river flows through, um, to my knowledge, (laughs) um, where the river flows through, then that's also, if it's flowing through the National Park area, it'll be National Park off-limits. But if it's in the National Preserve area, it'll be, um, you know, National Preserve. So that is, as I understand that, so... um, um, So there are still parts of the river upstream from the bridge and but below sandstone falls in there that that there will be opportunities to waterfowl hunt along the river correct yeah all right anything else you want folks to know about this way yeah well i've got you and you have a captive audience um well i just that you know we encourage you know anybody who's going to be hiking during that time period during the hunting season to um, you know, make yourself known. Um, of course, we have hikers out there as well, so make sure you're wearing blaze orange just as the hunters are. Um, you know, we do allow pets on trails, so, um, you know, if you've got a pet out there, make sure they've got orange as well. Um, and, you know, of course, we always encourage, you know, practicing, leave no trace. So, uh, you know, when you're out there, um, you know, we're all, we all, anybody who uses the park obviously loves the park and wants to help protect it and take care of it. So, yeah. um, you know, just do your best to, to do that. And then, you know, right now, especially with uh, when we're in a period with COVID, um, you know, we are encouraged, we again always encourage recreating responsibly, but it's especially important right now with COVID. Um, and of course, hunters don't tend to, to be in areas where there's a lot of congestion or anything like that. But if you are, you know, if you're another user and you're in, in an area that's congested, congested uh, you know we are uh, mats are now required you know in congested areas they're, they're required inside and then in outdoor areas as well where you've got a, a lot of a, a lot of people packed together so um, safety always is and shall always be our number one priority for you know visitors mm-hmm. and for staff and for anybody using the park so just be safe all right eve west with the uh, national park and preserve of the new river gorge thanks so much for your time today eve Oh, you're welcome. And we're out of here. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you next Saturday morning.